again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Clement. In the Ring is brought to you by our good friends at Gainsway. From top international bloodlines to rising stars on American soil, Gainsway has put together a stallion roster that is not only primed for future success, but is currently making its mark on the track, led by Caraconti's undefeated rising star, Spenderella. Make sure to check out their entire roster for 2022 and see for yourself the power, passion, and performance of Gainsway. Looking forward to today's show, a couple special guests that are both owners and breeders, so have a chance to really kind of tap into that side of the story. It's Belmont Stakes Week. Um, Things are a little bit crazy over here on my end, but looking forward to covering the third and final leg of the Triple Crown. Um, No Triple Crown option on the line this year, but we will have the Kentucky Derby winner trying to win the test of the champion and I think it's a really fun and fascinating race but for me it's uh, all those big grade ones on the undercard too that are really taking the spotlight so looking forward next week to having the opportunity to recap some of that but for now I hope you enjoy today's show with my special guest so happy to welcome in owner breeder Ron Lombardi of Mr. Amore Stables, who you may know his silks from multiple graded stakes winner, the terrific friends Forense Fire. But Ron, we just saw you in the winner circle this past week with a nice two-year-old too. Congratulations. Thanks again for coming on the show. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, it was an amazing race. Um, you know, we expected good things. He, you know, was training well down in South Carolina. And he came up here and when Kelly got him, he said, I think we got something special. And uh, he delivered, it was pretty exciting. Talking about Andiamo a Firenze, which you said means let's go to Florence, which I love, uh, so fun. And a half brother to Firenze Fire as well. How special is that to have an exciting two-year-old that's a sibling to a horse that you had so much success with? It's, it's very special, I mean, um, I have basically, I've gone back to Poseidon's Warrior a number of times. Um, and even with uh, Andiamo and Frenzy Fire, you know, I have two full brothers to him as well, uh, with Poseidon's Warrior with My Every Wish. But it's really, this one here was special because I went to the Grand Sire, you know, uh, Spitestown, you know, and throwing the dice and hoping it would pay off. And it looks like it's a, it was a good call. Tell me a little bit more about that decision, because as you mentioned, Forenze Fire, a Florida bred, in fact, by Poseidon's Warrior, who really kind of uh, was carrying the banner for his sire, so to speak, a little bit more of an established type of stallion with Spitestown. How, how did that decision come to pass when choosing who to breed that mare back to? You know, you go back and you look at the Knicks and you you, know, you do the, the bloodlines and you check everything out. You know, it just seemed like a good a good gamble. And um, I did it and it, you know, it paid off. And like I said, I also have gone back to Poseidon's Warrior a number of times and they'll be coming up. Uh, just Leo just retired. He's a three-year-old full brother to Frenzy Fire. Um, Andiamo, our friends, he's actually a three-quarter brother, you know, going to the Grand Sire. Um, I guess that's what you would call it. But it was, um, it's, it's gonna be an amazing trip. Like I said in my interview with, with Maggie, uh, this is where dreams start. <laughs> you know, because it changes your whole perspective on this year now. You can't wait for the next race, which will probably be up in Saratoga. Um, so it should be a should be a fun summer. A two-year-old winning first time out at Belmont. He broke so sharply too. What's that emotion like? Because 
I'm sure it's so exciting to see a two-year-old do well, but especially one that you bred to. Yeah, um, Frenzy Fire, he broke his maiden first time out. And now Andiamo's kind of following in his footsteps. The only difference is Frenzy Fire did it at Mammoth Park. Andiamo did it against much tougher company at Belmont. Uh, it sends chills down your spine. It's because you, you know, it's almost like you need to be pinched to make sure you're you're awake and this is real. Uh, so we'll see. You have had a lot of success with trainer Kelly Breen too, and you mentioned when, when Kelly got the horse in the barn, and he, he was excited. Uh, of course, Kelly threw out a big a chunk of Forensic Fire's career too, a big part of the team. Um, what's that like with your relationship with him too, as far as bringing some two-year-olds in and kind of looking to the future? You know, Kelly's been great. Um, you know, I, I started using Kelly about five years ago, and I went to Kelly, honestly, to train some of my two-year-olds because uh, he has had success with and the trainer I was using you know for my stable at the time the two-year-olds weren't you know advancing as quickly as I'd like to see and I went to back in 2017 I went to Kelly with half of my two-year-olds and the one I didn't send him was frenzy fire so <laughs> <laughs> you know you, you you never know you can't figure these things out um, but he's done a real good job with the whole stable I have about 21 runners right now a bunch of two-year-olds coming up and uh, some good ones. So we'll see. Take me back a little bit through Forense Fire, a horse that we got to know quite well in the New York circuit too, who just showed up every single time. Just such a tough horse, such a cool horse. I mean, did you ever dream of being on a ride with a horse like that? No, honestly, I've been in the business now about 15 years. And when I started out, I, uh, I bought a horse at auction out of Dina Springs, uh, Miss Short Pockets. And, um, you know, she had some shins, so she couldn't run. I was dying to race. I just said, oh, man, I, you know, I have to do something. So I decided I went to claim a horse. And uh, my first claim was a horse, a Rapoli horse uh, by the name of Snare. Actually broke down in the race. So I wasn't off to a good start. Yeah. And uh, then I went and did another claim a week later, uh, American Border. And she went out and she won my first race, first race ever I won. She came up the rail. It was just an amazing thing. And uh, three months later, she won a grade three and on and on. And then uh, having Frenzy Fire was just like, you know, it's icing on the cake. It's something that you dream of. Uh, you just, you don't know if it'll ever happen again to get a horse like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, knock on wood, I think uh, hopefully I may have something here. Uh, it's it's very, 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 very exciting. And I'm really looking forward to this year ahead. And I, of course, Ron, I have to ask you about, you know, what we saw happen in the forego with Forense Fire. He had been a couple of years ago, I remember he was being savaged and then turned things around and was the savager. So he, he's got a little bit of attitude on the racetrack, huh? Yeah, well, I guess it was 2019, I think it was 18 or 19, when he got savaged by, she told me where to go, I believe was the name or something like that. Um, and then he, uh, I guess he learned from that. And it was, I, I wish there was a video on me because I can't imagine what my facial expression looked like. I was right next to Kelly and it happened. We're like, oh my God, what is he doing? Because I truly believe he would have won that race against Yopan. Uh, and, you know, he's had a number of great stake wins, but he's had a number of great stake place seconds, mm -hmm. you know, Imperial Hint, uh, Yopan, it just, you know, things were, he just, if he had another foot over three races, he'd have three more grade ones. <laughs> so 
It was exciting. And but honestly, it made, it, it made him a rock star. It did. Everybody, I mean, everybody loved him because of the longevity. I mean, he raced for five years. And, uh, you know, I started accumulating broodmares for him because I was going to breed them myself. But Japan came in and they made an offer that was uh, really too good to pass up. So I went with that. And now I have a bunch of broodmares and I just retired just Leo. And uh, I'm going to try and shock the racing world and see what he can produce. I like it. And you mentioned you started out in claiming, wanting to have a piece of that action, wanting to race. How did you get into the breeding side? Because Friends of Fire, a horse you've bred as well. You know, it's um, it was really just by accident. You know, I mean, I, I retired some horses. What am I going to do? You know, had no place really to put them. So I said, let me try breeding. And my first one was with American Border. You know, and she produced a, a great um, Philly Broken Border beautiful horse. And I had an offer, you know, as a yearling for like 300,000 for, and I didn't do it. Um, you know, and I, so I just got into the breeding side and it, it just grew, you know, you retire horses and a lot of times there's no place to go. And, you know, just the same thing with um, my every wish, you know, she was a three-year-old. She had only two starts, had two seconds. I had her, I had to turn her out because she had some knee problems and she was on the farm for two years. And I said, you know what, let me take a shot. And um, yeah, that's where Poseidon Warrior came in and um, the rest is history. Where did the love of racing start for you? Oh, that's a long story. When I was little, <laughs> I spent all my summers in Long Branch, um, basically right like maybe a mile and a half from Mammoth Park. And back then, um, I won't give away my age, but uh, <laughs> back in the 60s, my parents and aunts and uncles, every Saturday they went to the racetrack. And on Friday nights, I used to get into the car as a you know five, seven-year-old, whatever it was, and uh, with my dad and my uncles, and we used to drive to Asbury Park to get the racing form off the train because they needed the handicap Friday night for Saturday. So I was always around it, and um, it's something that you know I was probably picking names back then or numbers or whatever, but it was something that was you know in my blood at an early age, seeing my my relatives all go to the track and how excited they were about it. Back then you couldn't go to the track unless you were 16 or 18 years old. Mm. So it was a little bit different than today. No racing on Sundays. Um, and honestly, uh, go back, my, my dad, he actually owned a horse in 1948-49. He had had a heart attack in, in, when he was in his 40s and he used to do manual labor. And they told him that he had to lay off of the uh, manual labor for a little while. So he went out and bought a racehorse, Mackey's Paul. <laughs> And he and my mom traveled around for a year and a half with the horse. And he won three times, Gulfstream, Garden State. Now the purses back then were, you know, maybe, you know, $1,200, $1,500. But the thing that, you know, a $2 bet is still a $2 bet. Mm -hmm. So the return back then on the $2 bet was a lot better than it is today. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they were able to uh, have a good time and travel with the horse and, you know, get by. So it was a... Uh, it's been, it's been in the family for a long time, horse racing. All my relatives love it. My kids love it. Um, like I said, we had a house in Long Branch that was my grandfather's and we left it to the family. So we used to have like, you know, on weekends, you know, 30 people down at the house. It was just a real fun time. And uh, it's something I'll never forget. You mentioned Andiamo Afarense winning first time out at Belmont makes you excited about the year to come and potentially a race in Saratoga. And uh, there's plenty of opportunity for the two-year-olds up there at the spa. 
what are some of the things that you're hoping to accomplish maybe with that horse or, or just in general as an owner breeder in the game? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, you'd like to get into graded company and so he'll probably run in the Sanford and pretty much follow the same, you know, track as Frenzy Fire, the Sanford, the hopeful, and then, you know, hopefully we win the champagne like Frenzy did. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was just when Frenzy Fire won the grade one champagne, it was just, I mean, I, I watched the video all the time. It was just so much fun. It was really exciting. And uh, hopefully we could follow in his footsteps and see. And, you know, I don't know if I'll do the New York circuit again, you know, as far as, you know, if he advances that way or maybe, you know, move around a little bit. We'll see. When you have one that wins first time out, you can't help but get excited. And of course, you know, I know everybody um, always dreams of getting onto the Kentucky Derby Trail and Frenzy Fire, who turned out to be a terrific sprinter at the start, was a horse that was taking you there. Is that something that is kind of at the forefront of your mind, a goal for you, that Triple Crown Trail? Absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of people question me about, you know, putting Frenzy Fire on that trail you know, because he was more of a sprinter, but I could just say, if you have that opportunity mm -hmm. to go to the Kentucky Derby or get on the Triple Crown Trail, you have to take it in my mind. It's just something that's so exciting. It's what the sport's all about. And uh, I would do it again in a heartbeat. I mean, and uh, I hopefully will knock on wood. You know, people always ask me, oh, you going to the Derby this year? I said, you know, that may have been a once in a lifetime event. You know, it's not that easy. There's 30,000 some, you know, or the thoroughbreds born every year, 20 make it to the Derby. So it's something that, you know, obviously, you know, it, it doesn't happen every day. And I really didn't know if it would ever happen again. And I still don't know, but yeah. at least it's, uh, I have a bullet in the gun right now. So <laughs> it's something that I'm keeping my fingers crossed. What are some of the things that you've learned most as far as breeding horses? It's a piece of the game, I think, that maybe just the average fan, average better doesn't hear so much about. So what are some of the things that are kind of the key takeaways for you, lessons learned along the way? Well, you know, you look at the bloodlines, you run the next reports, and um, you, you try and make the best decision you can. You, you look at the, you know, the history of the, the crossings and everything, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, gambling. It's like betting. You know, you, you can do all your homework, just like you try and pick a horse and, you know, you're very good at it. You know, you pick a horse in the second race. <laughs> You look at everything and you think you nailed it. I got this one. This is a winner, you know, and then a 12 to one shot comes in. So you don't know, you do your homework, but you just keep your fingers crossed that, you know, you made the right choice. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's exciting. And, and I, 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 I never thought I'd be into breeding, but it's something that just happened. And um, I'm glad it did. Well, I'm glad too. It's been a lot of fun following yourselves on the race track. I look forward to seeing much more of them with Andiamo Afrenze this summer. Ron Lombardi, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Acacia, thank you. Great talking to you. See you soon. Already. I'm very happy to welcome in a special guest that I've been hoping I would have the opportunity to have on the show here and really, really pleased to have a chance to welcome in owner, breeder, celebrity chef to all of the great things, Bobby Flay. Bobby, thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, I'm really excited to get a chance to pick your brain a little bit about breeding and all the different pieces of racing that you're involved in. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much for, for having me. Um, um, I'm, so, uh, I'm so thrilled and honored to be on this. 
Well, it's been a really exciting couple of weeks for you. Um, of course, I'm biased. I, I adore Pizza Bianca having the chance to have been around <laughs> her. But you had first captain with a big win uh, previous weekend as well. And I, I think that we see you in the winner's circle. And we know that you are an active owner in horse racing. But you're also really active in the breeding side of things, too. How did you get involved from owning horses to going into being involved in picking out the pedigrees and the breeding and, and some of the European pedigree you're involved in as well? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, <clears throat> I've always loved horse racing since I was a teenager. My grandfather took me to Saratoga when I was, you know, I don't know, 14 years old or something like that. And um, I was definitely hooked from that point forward. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I. You know, I never dreamed that I would actually own a horse one day when I was a kid. Um, <clears throat> you know, I dropped out of high school. And so, like, my, my career path was not, uh, was, wasn't very focused, let's put it that way, um, you know, for, for a while. Um, and then when I started, um, <clears throat> when I started my career and, and things, you know, started going okay, I was really uh, still obviously very interested in horse racing. And I, and then I, I, I remember buying a, um, a quarter of a horse. I mean, this is 20 something years ago, maybe 20 years ago. And, um, and, and I was just like, you know, this is something I really want to do. And, you know, hopefully at some point I'll be able to own horses on my own. And I started out just owning, you know, pieces of horses, but then I really started doing a lot of research. It's like, um, you know, like when you, when you, you um, when you ask people what they do in the middle of the night when they can't sleep, that's their true passion, <laughs> right? And yeah. for me, I'm watching like race replays. I'm looking up pedigrees. Um, I'm I'm studying like what's going on in European racing because I think it I think it has a lot to do with what we what we're doing here as well. And I think that they you know one has something to do with the other. Um, and so I just started really getting into it, and um, and then. Uh, you know, I started buying a couple of mares. And then the thing I realized after a, a period of time of being in sort of the mediocrity of the breeding business, which is a, a very wide swath, is that I wanted to I wanted to be at the at the top of the food chain to to, to throw a pun out. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to be I wanted to have some of the best be involved in some of the best families in, in the stud book. And I knew that I was going to take a couple of things. <clears throat> I was going to de definitely take some resources. And I had, and, you know, I, I didn't have the resources that a lot of the people in our business have. I mean, some of these people own countries. And, you know, so I, I, I needed to be clever and maybe, you know, get involved at, at the second damn level, et cetera, in some better, better families. And that's how I really started really zoning in on really good families in Studbook. And, the thing that I realized by studying and paying attention and I mean, there's no perfect science to this and that's, that's really the fun of it. I mean, if it was just so, if we, if we could just figure this out on a calculator, it wouldn't be as much fun. That's for sure. <laughs> but, but the thing that I realize is that, and I tell this to people all the time, the good blood always shows up at some point and you don't know exactly when that's going to be obviously, but I always believe that if the, if there's really good bloodlines at some point, it's going to show up. And you have to be patient. And that's so you need some resources, you need to be savvy, and you need patience in the breeding business. You need patience in general in the horse business, but even more so in the breeding business, because it literally takes years. I mean, I remember somebody saying to me, 
when I, when I bought my for, first mare, they're like, this is a 10 year commitment. I was like, what are you talking about? The <laughs> bottom line is it really is because before you know it, you're on year three and you, you know, you, and you have like, you have a yearling, you know, and you know, by the time 10 years rolls around, maybe you have a handful of foals and maybe some have hit, maybe some have ha- haven't, but like, you really need to be patient when it comes to breeding and, and <clears throat> you know, I've enjoyed that part of it. I am not a patient person uh, <laughs> in the rest of my life. I'm a, I'm, I'm a very impulsive person. I, I act quickly in my businesses. Um, I make very quick decisions and I live with them in the, in the, in the horse racing business. Actually, JJ Pletcher, Todd Pletcher's dad mm-hmm. told me once, he said, if you don't, if you're not patient with these horses, they'll make you be patient. And that's a true story. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, you have to give them good, you have to give them time to be good, good racehorses and you have to give them time to breed well and to, uh, and to produce something that might be special one day. Now, Pizza Bianca, I mean, you know, it's her, she's the first foal. That's, I mean, she comes from a gigantic family. I bought her mom for a lot of money. Actually, she was the most expensive yearling filly in the hemisphere um, that year. She's a Galileo filly from the Poimois family. She's gorgeous. She never ran. And she just didn't have, you know, what the, she, she just didn't, it just didn't seem like she was going to have the talent to have to, uh, to, to be a, to, let's put it this way, to uh, do her pedigree proud. And so we decided mm-hmm. not to run her. And, but I was, I knew I was going to keep her forever because it was a commitment that I made. And I, <clears throat> And, and, you know, 90% of the reason why I bought her was to get into that family. And, yeah. and lo and behold, Pizza Bianca is her first foal. I love the puzzle of the breeding, too. I remember when she first arrived um, at the barn as a two-year-old, my husband Miguel was telling me, he said, look at her pedigree. He said, go home and look at her pedigree, because he was really excited about it. Like you said, you know, having the opportunity to kind of tap into a family like that by Fastnet Rock out of a Galileo mare, which... We've seen the opposite cross be so successful on the racetrack as well. And that really is kind of the puzzle of it, too. Um, tell me a little bit about picking matings and, and learning about what horses seem to go well together. Well, <clears throat> you know, a uh, couple things. That's a great question. And I love the puzzle, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, creating these matings is something that I look forward to every year. Um, it's so much fun. Um, in this case, now, you, you, know this, you know this business inside out, and you live with somebody who studies this, you know, probably way more than I do. But, um, and actually, Miguel said to me, why didn't you go to Warfront? You know, this is before yeah. Pizza, Pizza Bianca had run. And I said, <clears throat> I don't know. I said, first of all, Warfront is was in was in the United States. Mm-hmm. And at the time, uh, White Hot, who's the dam of Pizza Bianca, was still in Europe. And she's by Galileo. And as and as you know, Galileo is probably one of the, he might be the best sire of all time, period. Incredible. But the pro- mm-hmm. but the problem with him is that every sire over there is by him. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a Galileo mare, you don't have a lot of options, you know, at the, at, at the at the highest level. And and so Fastnet Rock is this Australian bred horse, who um, he, he was a very fa- he was a sprinter um, for the most part when he was a when he was running, 
Now, that said, he does get horses that go five furlongs, and he gets horses that goes a mile and a half. He's an amazing, he's been an amazing sire. And so, but I really thought about his natural speed, and I thought, you know, my mare probably could use a little natural speed. Um, she's a little, you know, she, she could use a little extra coordination in her, in her, in her court, in her, in her, um, in her balance. And so I, I, I thought, you know, fast net rock, you know, might work. And look, the bottom line is, you know, we can take the best guesses, but the bottom line is that they're guesses. And I don't go to unproven. One of the things I don't do is I do not go to unproven sires, especially for, you know, the high quality mares that I have. I'd rather, I'd rather pay more later for, for a sire that's proven himself than try to be right and guess. And so, you know, Fastnet Rock was one of the most proven sires over in Europe. Um, Coolmore was standing him. You know, he was shuttling between Australia and, and, and Ireland. And I just thought it was the right move. Um, I, I, I didn't, I couldn't really, I, I actually, it, it actually wasn't a very difficult decision because as I was saying about the Galileo, yeah. you know, influence over there, there's not a lot of, there's just not a lot of things you can go to besides, you know, besides his, his progeny. So it was, it was sort of like I was, he was the best, he was the best one that was left. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked out. And you've actually won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf before with More Than Real. But yeah. Pisa Bianca was a homebred. Yeah. How special is that winning such an elite race with a horse that you actually bred, too? I mean, what's the added weight of that for you? Um, a hundred times. Like, there's nothing like it. Um, you know, you know, about six weeks prior to that, um, I mean, you remember this because you're very close to this barn. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> You know, she broke her maiden at Saratoga, and I said to Christoph and Miguel, I was like, look, I, I want to go to the Natalma. And they said, well, we could run in a couple of races at it right here in her backyard. I said, I, I, I totally get that. I said, but the Natalma's a grade one. And I think that, you know, for what I'm trying to accomplish, which is, tr which is obviously trying to get her significant black type, mm -hmm. it just changes the entire family. So I wanted to go to the Natalma. And, um, you know, because it, it's a grade one, it's a win and you're in for the Brewers Cup. And I just thought that she would have a good chance there. And so we waited and we went up there. And Nick Luck was there for NBC. And he said to me, how important is this race to you? I said, I'm, you're not going to believe this, but this is the most important race I've ever been involved in. And he's like, you have to be kidding me. I was like, no. I said, it, it's a grade one. It's a win and you're in. And I bred this horse. Like, I don't. I don't have a big broodmare band. You know, I have a, mm -hmm. I have a handful of mares. And so for me to be in a race like this with a horse like that, I mean, you don't ever expect it to actually happen. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, yeah. you, you, it's so hard to win a maiden race. Mm -hmm. And so when you're, when you're in a position like that, so I said to him, this is the most important race I've ever been involved in. She ran second, <clears throat> which is exactly what more than real did. She ran second in the Tama. And then, we went to the Breeders' Cup. Now I had um, I had to convince your father-in-law a little bit. <laughs> I know <laughs> that he doesn't like to travel, so you know I had I had to say to him like, "Come on, like grab your suntan lotion and let's go to Del Mar." You know, <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, look, you know, if he didn't really want to go, obviously I would have said, "Of course," but um, this was just a matter of you know <clears throat> we knew the horse was sound, we knew she was talented. 
Um, I guess the the question mark was, can she run on firm, firm grass, which which is what Delmar would be, because her first two races there was some cut in the ground, and and mm-hmm. she's not the she's actually not the best mover in the morning. So mm-hmm. so Christoph was saying, I, I don't even know if she's going to like the firm grass, and I said, you know what, we're not, you know, how often are you in a position like this? We don't know. Um, let's let's let her prove it to us, and. Around the far turn at the Breeders' Cup, she was dead last, and it's a very short stretch. And I literally thought to myself at that moment, well, at least I'm having a fun weekend. I have all my friends and my family here. Uh, You know, it's Breeders' Cup weekend. You know, the horse race is one thing, but we're having a great time. I mean, I literally had that flash thought, and then literally two seconds later, she was at the eighth pole challenging for the lead. I mean, it was like, it was one of the, I have to say, it was one of the great rides I've ever seen in horse racing. And... Obviously, I'm, I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm a homer when it comes to that. But I, 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 you know, I, I, I could not believe, you know, the ride that he that he gave her. But obviously, she she had the engine to do it. Jose Ortiz, absolutely spectacular on that weekend. It was so exciting. Um, and like I said, she's a homebred. It was so special for you. And you mentioned a small broodmare band, but. One mare that I wanted to ask you about in particular is Dame Dorothy, because I know that she was really special to you, named after your mom. Mm-hmm. And yet her production in the sales ring, on the track as well, she's turned out to be a, a highly sought after broodmare in, in particular. Uh, how special is that to see for you, especially, like I said, given it that it's a mare that was named after your mom? Yeah, I mean, my mom was still alive when she was running. So mm-hmm. uh, my mom passed away about three years ago. Yeah. Three years ago. And, you know, it was, um, it was great to see my mom be so, you know, exhilarated about the, about her namesake. She would like yeah. walk through Belmont after she won a race. And my mother would be like, I'm the real Dame Dorothy, like telling people <laughs> in the crowd, you know? And, uh, and, and, um, and so, yes. And she was very fast. I mean, you know, I talked to Todd about her every once in a while. He's like, she was the fastest horse. She had the fast, she had the most speed of any horse you ever had. Um, <clears throat> she had a serious turn of foot on the dirt. Um, and she won the grade one. She won the Umana Distaff um, <clears throat> on Derby Day, <clears throat> you know, to get her grade one. And um, and then, you know, she's had really good progeny. You know, her first, her first uh, fall was a filly named Spice is Nice who the, 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 uh, the laws, um, bought for over a million dollars and she won a grade three. Um, you know, she's, um, you know, she, and then she, you know, we, we sold her, uh, uncle Mo for a million six at the Saratoga sales last year. I mean, she, she has, she has really good, she has really good, really good falls. I mean, this, they, they, they look athletic, um, uh, you know, they have, they have, they have great physicals and, you know, she comes from a family that can either dirt or turf. Um, it goes back to a really good family. You know, I have, um, a very small team of people that I work with. Um, James Delahook, who's a legend in Europe, <clears throat> um, bloodstock agent basically created the broodmare band of Judmont. And, you know, today, you know, all the third dams, and fourth dams of all their great horses he bought <laughs> as yearlings. Yeah. And he's been my bloodstock. I should say this. He's been my, he's been my physical 
um, expert in terms of picking out horses at the sale. And, you know, he buys a certain kind of horse and he, he buys horses that he knows that I'm going to keep for their, basically their entire life. And so, you know, they turn into these spectacular broodmares after their um, initial career. And that's been a giant, um, that's been, it's been, that's been a, a giant boon for me having somebody like him. And I know that team is, is so important. And especially when you're getting into the breeding side of horse racing, which is so specific, requires so many years of knowledge too. I know very wise board has been um, a big piece of it as well. Uh, will you tell me a little bit about putting the team together and maybe some of the challenges for you in learning, I guess, learning what you didn't know when getting involved in this? So Barry Weisbord is one of my best friends. <clears throat> he is, um, you know, he's the publisher and, and the founder of the Third World Daily News. And the thing about Barry, if you know Barry at all, like Barry is like, he's a very outspoken proponent of the game, but it's always because he wants it to be better. Yeah. And, you know, he has a lot of insight um, in lots of things. One of the things he, his insight for me is that has been so special is his knowledge of, of, of pedigrees. You know, we, we call him the Warren, Warren Buffett of pedigrees. I mean, he really <laughs> knows pedigrees on a worldwide basis, almost like no one. I mean, it's really, it's really incredible. And so, you know, having Barry, um, having Barry, um, you know, on my team. And when I say my team, I just, just so, just so you know, he does it. It's not even a financial, it's not a financial relationship. Barry does it because he thinks if I have a good experience, it's going to be good for the game and at large. And he, you know, he's looking at the bigger view and, um, you know, he wants me to have a good experience and he thinks that if I have a good experience, it's going to be, you know, it will, it will get more attention for the game, et cetera. It's really, it's, it's, it's a very, um, it's a very big picture view that he has. And I really appreciate all of his, um, all of his insights. So basically it's Barry is like, you know, the person who I run pedigrees by and James is the, is, is my sort of, you know, my physical expert and that's it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the whole thing. And, um, <clears throat> and it, you know, we, we keep it really simple. We, we don't, we don't, we don't buy a lot of things. Um, whatever we buy is always going to be, you know, very high quality. And those things are hard to buy, as you know. And so, um, you know, but sometimes we're in a position that we're not expecting and it's, and it works out and that's, and that's, you know, that's, you know, that's part of the, you know, being a little bit savvy and clever as opposed to just swinging away, you know, that, that I think is important. Well, I know a next chapter for you will be a trip to Royal Ascot with Pizza Bianca. And I heard you say after she won the Hilltop that a big piece of being involved in racing for you is the experiences and horses really give you the world. They truly do. Will you tell me a little bit about that and, and why that's such an important piece of the game for you? Well, some people like to collect things and toys. I like to collect experiences. Like meaning like that's the way I like to spend my, my free time. I mean, I work like everybody else. We all work really, really hard, but <clears throat> you know, this is, this is the business that you live in. Um, I, 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 I live in this business, a percentage of my, of my time, probably, probably more than I should, but, um, <laughs> but I love it so much, you know, and, 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 you know, the rest of my life is my work life, which is, 
you know, sig- it, you know, it's, it's significant hours and, and time. And, and I'm not complaining about it. I've had, a, you know, a really nice career that I love, but, <clears throat> you know, in my off time, in my free time, um, actually my daughter Sophie was like making fun of me the other day because I, I had shot a bunch of television. I shot two and a half straight months of television in March and April. And, um, somebody said to me and we were walking down the street and so my daughter Sophie was with us and she, and somebody said, how come you, how come you get all the shooting done? Like, you know, between like March and April, April. And before I could say anything, Sophie's like, cause he knows like the major racing season is coming up and wants everything <laughs> out of the way. And she's not wrong. She's not wrong. I love it. So, and so like, you know, getting back to your question about experiences. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, there were certain experiences that I love about horse racing. I, one of my favorites is to, you know, get up in the morning in Saratoga and just go to the barn mm-hmm. and, and, and bother your husband and your father-in-law and, <laughs> and just hang out and have a cup of coffee and watch the horses gallop around the track. I mean, it's like, and, unless you actually do it, like, like when you tell somebody that they don't really understand exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, but it's something that, it's, I'm like a little kid in the morning. Like my eyes open up at 5:30 in the morning, and like you know, I just I can't wait to get out there. Um, Royal Ascot is something, frankly, I think is probably the best racing experience maybe in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like it's so, like the, the hospitality is so incredibly <clears throat> high end, and well thought out <clears throat> and organized. And the whole place is just so beautiful. I mean, you have the royal family that, you know, sort of trotting around there every single day in the races, including the queen. And people are in top hat and tails in the royal enclosure. And, you know, the ladies are in their finest, et cetera. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's what I, it's what I sort of miss about racing in the United States, which is the formality of it. When I go to the racetrack, I'm in a suit. Like I, I respect the game and I, and I don't expect everybody to feel that way, but that's the way I, that's the way I want to experience it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, yeah, so it's, it's the experiences. And when you have a horse like pizza Bianca, again, she, you know, she's like my horse of a lifetime at this point, you know, it's like, she's, you know, she's taking us to, you know, we're getting on a plane and going to England. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, it's no, it's no small, it's no small feat and it takes a lot of effort and there's going to be, you know, a dozen of us sitting at Royal Ascot and we have no idea how well she's going to run. We hope she runs well. We expect her to be in the mix, but the bottom line is we're going to have a great time and it's because of her. When you first started in the game, did you ever think you'd be in this position? No, no chance. I mean, and also, look, I know that um, this is uh, a moment in time and it's not always going to feel this good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I appreciate every second of it. And, um, you know, because as, as James Delahook says to me, most of the horses are slow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he says there's a lot of slow out there and he's right. Um, I don't know if there's a lot of slow out there or if there's just a few of them that are just faster than the rest. They all seem to be pretty fast to me, but um, you know, it's, it's really hard finding one to um, 
you know, that just kind of is a little bit better than the rest of them. And when you do find them, it's incredibly exciting. Um, and, uh, you know, you hold your breath. Uh, I just got chills after that. <laughs> and uh, I love it. Bobby, wishing you all the best. Can't say thank you enough. It was so fun. And I feel like we just scratched the surface, too. But it, it was really, really fun getting a chance to pick your brain a bit. Um, and, uh, of course, cheering on Pizza Bianca with all my heart. But looking forward to seeing your silks many times in the winter circle throughout this next year. All right, well, Keisha, thank you so much. Um, I always appreciate your support, and um, I'll see you at the barn. <laughs> All righty. And that'll do it for another episode of In the Ring. A big thank you to Bobby Flay and Ron Lombardi. Really had a chance, enjoyed having a chance to um, pick their brains a little bit and, and talk about some of the stories and some of the experiences that they've had within the game of horse racing. Um, hope you have the opportunity to follow their horses on the racetrack this year. And I hope you tune in to the Belmont Stakes this weekend. Um, I'll be there running around Belmont Park, but if you come out to the racetrack for the day, please stop and say hello. Um, as always, if you have any interesting topics you'd love to hear more about, about as far as pedigrees, sales, breeding does go, please feel free to send me a message. Please share this podcast with anybody that you think would enjoy it. And I'll see you next time on In the Ring. <laughs>